Over the last few decades, improvements in management of chronic disease and an increase in public health interventions has resulted in a longer than average life expectancy. People who have been diagnosed with schizophrenia have been shown in previous research to have a shorter lifespan than people who don't have severe mental illness. Until today, the causes of this higher mortality rate had not been fully explored. I'm Dr. Kirsten Patrick, Deputy Editor for CMAJ, and today I'm speaking with Dr. Paul Kurdiak, psychiatrist and scientist at the Center for Addiction and Mental Health in Toronto and the lead of the Mental Health and Addictions Program at the Institute for Clinical Evaluative Sciences. Dr. Kurdiak has co-authored a study looking back at 20 years of mortality trends in individuals with schizophrenia in an effort to determine what factors are at the root of this shorter life expectancy. Dr. Kurdiak is joining me from Toronto. Hi, and thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks. So tell me, why did you want to do this study? So there have been uh, a number of studies showing higher mortality among individuals with severe mental illnesses like schizophrenia versus uh, individuals without. Um, There have also been a number of studies showing that people with schizophrenia, while having higher rates of medical illnesses, are likely to receive poorer quality of care for those illnesses. In this study, we focused on the mortality gap specifically and wanted to understand what has been happening to this mortality gap over time to determine whether trends can shed light into this increased mortality. As it relates to our unique situation in Ontario, we have gone to the trouble of developing ways to fairly accurately identify all individuals with psychotic illnesses like schizophrenia. We use this uh, opportunity to do uh, this particular study. Previous studies have identified people with schizophrenia using hospitalizations, which really uh, biases the sample or includes individuals who have pretty severe levels of illness, which may translate into overestimation of mortality. Or they use uh, what's called severe mental illness, which is kind of a a grab bag of various uh, psychiatric illnesses that it would include schizophrenia but which may bias towards an underestimation of mortality by including less severe illnesses than schizophrenia. Really in Ontario, we have developed methods and have access to data that that allow us to be both more comprehensive and more accurate about the relationship between schizophrenia and mortality, and that's really what compelled us to do this study. Tell me about the data that you included. Well, both are pretty simple. We included all individual deaths in Ontario for the 20 years that you mentioned between 1993 and 2012. And we looked at these deaths annually, which allowed us to observe trends over time. We also used our ability to identify all individuals with schizophrenia and categorized all those deaths as occurring among individuals with and without schizophrenia. We then plotted annual changes in all-cause and cause-specific mortality, the latter cause-specific mortality being a really important contribution because we could kind of dissect the different causes of death into categories that allowed us to observe different different, uh, modes of death over time that really shed light on what's happening in people with and without schizophrenia. And then we also used a standard method of measuring mortality called potential years of life lost. And this is important because it, it, it is a way of measuring early mortality that really emphasizes the impact of uh, a death that occurs at a young age. So it's a kind of a standard method, but it really uh, is, is an important and different way of measuring 
uh, mortality uh, to really shed the light on the gap. Tell me the importance, as you see it, of looking at mortality rates. What does this tell us? Uh, well, beyond the methods, I mean, to me, mortality and you know, it's it's a, an unequivocal outcome. But it also, to me, is the sort of the final common outcome that really sheds light on pretty significant upstream equity issues. And and um, and beyond that, uh, we wanted to use our very long time frame to look at how this known mortality gap is changing over time. So for example, are we doing better by individuals with schizophrenia knowing that historically there's been this mortality gap or is the gap getting wider? And knowing that, which no one has known up till this study, really tells us uh, it's kind of a, a bellwether for uh, the health care and health outcomes for individuals with complex mental and medical illnesses like the study population we had. Tell me what you found. What were your main findings? There are a number of related main findings. And I would say the first main finding is a, is a threefold higher mortality rate among individuals with schizophrenia. And that individuals with schizophrenia die on average eight years uh, younger than those without. Interestingly, this is a little uh, less of a, a gap than previous studies. And I think this has to do with the fact that uh, we are including individuals with schizophrenia who enter our cohort uh, in ways other than hospitalization. So I think we are the closest to a population-based uh, cohort of individuals with schizophrenia. The, the other uh, main finding is that in the general population, there has been, as you mentioned in your introduction, a, an overall re reduction in mortality over time. And we observed a parallel reduction in mortality among individuals with schizophrenia as well. So that means that that threefold higher rate of mortality was constant over time, with sort of downward slopes observed in both the population with and without schizophrenia. So another way of saying that is that, that this, this threefold gap isn't reducing. We're, we're doing neither better nor worse uh, in our uh, attempts to address this very large uh, mortality gap. The third big finding is that one of the big drivers of the reduction in mortality in the general population is this reduction in cardiovascular deaths. Uh, and it looks as though uh, individuals with schizophrenia are, are missing out on this uh, reduction in cardiovascular deaths, the rate at which deaths reduced from cardiovascular causes in the schizophrenia population was not as great as the rate observed in the general population. And the final piece is that not surprisingly, but still tragically, the rate of deaths by suicide are extremely high among individuals with schizophrenia. Uh, and the, and uh, that may explain why there's this dramatic difference in years of potential life loss, with, which, which really privileges the contributions of death that occur at a younger age. So with people with schizophrenia, the years of potential life loss were 226 per thousand persons. And if you, in the population without schizophrenia, the years of potential life loss was 44. So that's more than a five-fold difference in the, in, in the years of potential life lost uh, due to those deaths that occur at a very young age. There are a number of different stories there. And you've talked a little bit about cardiovascular diseases as being a cause of death for schizophrenia patients and suicide. What did you notice about the difference between 
um, patients without a severe mental illness and patients with schizophrenia in terms of the causes of death? Yeah, and this is this is where our study I, I think really makes a significant contribution. So we know that individuals with schizophrenia, no matter what cause of death we looked at, had higher rates of death. But the difference in rates varied across the different causes of death. Uh, cardiovascular, we've already mentioned, seems to be an area where uh, there's a particular concern amongst individuals with schizophrenia versus those without. Uh, but by and large, across the non-suicide categories, the relative mortality rate was two to four times greater uh, in the population uh, with schizophrenia versus those without, which averages out to the three times higher that, that, that we observe overall. Where there is a massive difference in uh, the, the mortality rate is uh, for suicide. It is going down. Uh, the suicide-related death rate in schizophrenia is definitely going down, but it is going down from a more than 20-fold higher rate to a more than 10-fold higher rate. So it is, is far and away a very concerningly high rate of suicide. And you know, the fact that suicide is occurring amongst individuals with schizophrenia is perhaps not surprising, but I, I always find that, that the the quantification or the rate at which this is happening is is rather staggering. Absolutely. And did you find it surprising that the uh, the high burden of cardiovascular disease on uh, patients with schizophrenia was evident? I wouldn't say that I was surprised, uh, but disturbed would be a better a better way uh, to capture my reaction to that. So uh, that. There are lots of reasons uh, why individuals with schizophrenia uh, have a higher burden of cardiovascular death. And the, the biggest reason is that they have a higher burden of cardiovascular risk factors. When you look at individuals and studies of individuals with schizophrenia uh, as it relates to cardiovascular risk factors, they have overwhelmingly higher rates of diabetes, obesity, smoking, sedentary lifestyle, and and are more burdened by these risk factors compared to individuals without schizophrenia. Um, the other piece is that the, the very medications that we use to treat schizophrenia it can contribute to this. So the newer antipsychotics in particular are well known to be associated with substantial weight gain and a really elevated risk of developing diabetes. So people with schizophrenia are caught in a bind as it relates to their cardiovascular health between uh, wanting stability for the psychiatric illness versus, uh, you know, taking an, uh, a medication that imposes cardiovascular risk, which is very, very difficult. And, and finally, uh, individuals with schizophrenia, by virtue of their illness, are less able to engage in self-management than people without schizophrenia. So the kind of things that you would expect people to do to manage cardiovascular risk are infinitely harder to do uh, for people with uh, schizophrenia. And we also know that people with schizophrenia have poor quality of health care for medical conditions when they occur. So there's just a, an unbelievably complex and troubling stew of factors that conspire to make addressing the high cardiovascular death rate in this population extremely challenging to address. That is really challenging. So what do you see um, from a public health or policy level point of view? What would help to improve the lifespan of people with schizophrenia? 
But I would I would have to say that this has been a an area of healthcare that has been largely overlooked. Uh, I think more broadly, how we manage uh, complexity uh, is 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 something that healthcare systems are struggling to to grasp and and, and overcome. Uh, when we look at guidelines for care, gui- uh, clinical guidelines are uh, uniquely characterized to provide guidance on single disorders, but but fail miserably when there are multiple disorders, and they fail even more miserably when one of those disorders is a severe mental illness like schizophrenia. The some of the some of the things that I'm more positive about are efforts to address this. I, I am part of what's called the Medical Psychiatry Alliance, uh, which is a multi-site uh, initiative in Toronto with a stated goal to improve the quality of care and health outcomes among indig- individuals with both mental and medical illnesses. And one of the projects we're undertaking within the Medical Psychiatry Alliance is to better understand the barriers and facilitators of care for individuals with severe mental illnesses like schizophrenia who also have medical comorbidities. I'm hoping that this project will help us to uh, develop better interventions with some of the learnings that we have. But the reality is that until now, there have been uh, a lot of studies documenting the burden of medical illness and mortality among individuals with schizophrenia, but there are a very, very sparse number of studies pointing to solutions. And really about the only real innovation with some evidence to support in the co-management of medical illnesses uh, for people with schizophrenia or other severe mental illnesses is the concept of co-location. In most healthcare systems, patients with uh, multiple conditions often have to travel to multiple providers at multiple sites to have their healthcare needs met. And this is true in Ontario largely. And this is a structural barrier that uh, probably affects people with schizophrenia more than those without. So, and co-location refers to creating kind of a one-stop shop for all services, including medical services for individuals with multiple and complex conditions like schizophrenia. This is just about the only innovation that I've, you know, read good evidence on. And and but there's just clearly, given the burden that we've documented in the study, there's, there's much more that we could be doing. I guess the hard part is changing the system to be more friendly towards the public that use it. Right. If you could leave our listeners with one message, what would that be? One of the things uh, that comes from doing studies like this and others that I've done that that address uh, sort of profound inequities is is that I've had had the privilege to have um, really frank uh, discussions with colleagues from many differences. And as a result of these discussions, it's, it's so clear that uh, it's just an incredible challenge to provide both high-quality psychiatric and medical care to individuals with schizophrenia who also have comorbid medical conditions. That's, that's just the truth. Um, the service providers uh, who are required to provide good care are spread across the mental health system, amongst primary care, and, and include specialists. And, and the diffuse nature of service delivery is just one problem. Individuals with schizophrenia, as a result of their illness, are really less capable to act as advocates for their care than people without schizophrenia. While we think about our system as universal and are proud of that fact, the reality is that the ability to advocate is a determinant of access and quality. So what I would encourage in, in the absence of really robust evidence to incorporate to address these needs is I would encourage that providers 
take a little more time, make a little more effort, and and put in more effort that's required to coordinate and integrate care across multiple providers. This is this is hard, and there's no real incentive in our in our systems to do this. But as our study shows, it is the right thing to do. And, and if we don't do it, there are dire and tragic consequences and shortened lives. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I've been speaking with Dr. Paul Kodiak, psychiatrist and scientist at the Center for Addiction and Mental Health in Toronto, and the lead of the Mental Health and Addictions Program at the Institute for Clinical Evaluative Sciences. To read the research article he co-authored, visit cmaj.ca. If you've been listening to our CMAJ podcasts, let us know how we're doing. Please leave us a rating on iTunes or give us your feedback on SoundCloud or any of our social media channels.